0: We are in the final Sunday of this year. And I know for me, definitely, as I'm sure it does for you, thinking about the fact that this is the final service of 2020, it probably comes with a few mixed emotions. Maybe for some of you, you're very thankful that this year is over. And you're just like, man, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad that we're moving into the next year. I hope that it's going to be better than the year that we uh, went through. Uh, But for maybe for some of you, you may not just be feeling enjoyment or excitement about a new year, but you might be feeling a little bit of sadness. You might be feeling a little bit of, frustration like many have because it feels like uh, in a way it's almost like we lost a year in some regard. It's hard to believe we were talking. I was talking to some friends yesterday and I haven't seen them in a year and a half and I just I can't believe it. I almost see them all. all, We see them at least once or twice a year, but certainly for all of us, it's been a very unique year of 2020. It's been a year full of unexpected turns, uh, but at the same time, what I want us to remember is that we can be thankful Because even though this year was nothing like we expected it to be, God still proved himself to be alive and that he was working and that he was with us. And that's something that we today can be confident in. That no matter what is happening all around us, we know that our God is consistently proving his faithfulness and revealing himself to us throughout the circumstances that we walk in. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to take some time and do a little bit of reflection with you as a church family, as we look uh, at the year behind us. And then of course, as we push forward into 2021, but this morning, what I want for us to do is I want for us to return to Luke or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter number one, Matthew chapter number one. And we're going to return to finish up the series that we've been in. That's talking about the arrival of of the Savior, And so today, as we conclude our message this morning, or our series together, what I want for us to do is begin by just reading the core passage or the key passage that we've been in, in Matthew chapter 1, and I'll begin reading in verse number 18. I hope you'll get your Bible out or on your app, and you'll follow along with me as I read there in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now, the last two weeks in our series, what we've been doing is we have seen two very clear and two very important truths about the arrival of Jesus to this earth. In the first week, we looked at how Jesus came and how he came to a virgin mother and to an adoptive father for the express purpose of reaching a fallen world. In the second week, we talked about uh, and were reminded about the importance of just who Jesus is. It was amazing to see the details of how he came, but even more importantly, we needed to understand who Jesus was, and we saw the miracle dynamic of Jesus being fully man and at the same time, fully God, God's perfect plan of redemption for this world. A man by the name of Glenn Scrivener said this. He said, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, while materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos, and then he said this, he said, choose your miracle, <laughs> choose your miracle. Well, I don't know about you, but I know today for me, I'm choosing the miracle of the virgin birth. And what a wonderful thing it is to know that God himself came to this earth in order to redeem his creation. See, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ truly is a miracle of God. And it would take a miracle, think about it, it would take a miracle to redeem and to renew the hearts of a rebellious And fallen humanity. I think all of us have known someone in our life where we're like, man, it would take a miracle for that person to change. And it's true. They do need a miracle and maybe you need a miracle, but that miracle is of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is God in the flesh and that that alone has the ability to change your heart and change your life completely for the better. Well, this morning, as we finish up our series together, my goal for us today is to do this, is to see how the miracle of Jesus coming to this earth how it confirms in our hearts three uplifting truths that can give us hope and that can give us courage as we look to the new year ahead. And so today, that's what I want to do. I want to show you some confirming truths about Jesus coming to this earth. The first confirmation that we see in this passage is that God is the creator. God is the creator. If you remember back in verse number 18 that we read, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise or in this way. I thought it was so interesting that the word Matthew chose to use to, uh, for us, is translated the word birth. The Greek word that he used, translated, transliterated, is the word genesis or genesis. It's a very interesting word. And what it means, of course, is origin or the beginning of all things. And so Matthew begins by talking about the origin, the beginning of all things, the genesis of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see the word genesis, I cannot help but think back to the book of Genesis, the origin, uh, the first book of the Bible that we study and that we know so much about. And so I want to draw a couple of quick comparisons, reminding us of the fact that the very God who was born in that, in that stable was also the creator of all things. If you think back to the book of Genesis, of course, it is there that we see the spirit giving life to the entirety of creation. And then in the book of Matthew, what do we see? We see the spirit giving life to the Messiah, the savior of creation. In Genesis chapter number three, you might remember that at the fall of man and when man sinned against God and uh, broke the covenant that God had with them, God promised then that he would raise up a seed by a woman that would crush the head of Satan. That's in Genesis chapter three. You probably remember that story. But then in Matthew, what do we see? We see God actually delivering on his promise through the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. All the way back in the book of Genesis, we see that a man was born that would give into or succumb to sin. Of course, we know that as being Adam. It is in Matthew, we see that second Adam being born that would save us from sin. I want you to think about this for a moment. You know, the same God that was creating in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, creating all things, is the same God that recreated and redeemed the fallen state of man in Matthew chapter number one. It was in a creative and it was a very unlikely way, but we know that God through the virgin birth of Jesus gave us a clear path of rescue and reconciliation to God. If you turn with me now to Romans chapter 5, I want to go there for just a minute because Romans chapter 5 is such a powerful passage that shows to us the comparison of how God renewed or recreated, if you want to call it that, his fallen creation through Jesus Christ. I'll begin in Romans 5 verse 12, which is very familiar. It's a verse we use often uh, where it says that, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You know, Adam and Eve sin in the garden, specifically Adam sinned, caused a domino effect for the entire human race. His decision brought brought about the consequences of death upon all of mankind. It says here, through one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so then it was passed upon all men from that point going forward. But then if you skip down to verse number 15, I want to continue here. It says, but not as the offense, but also is the free gift for if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many and not as it was by one that sinneth, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. You say, what's going on here in that verse? I want to clear this up for us. Listen, because of Adam's sin... Death entered the human race. And since then, all men have died. We know that. Now, for those, those of you real Bible scholars, you know, will you say, well, what about Enoch and Elijah? Yes, we'll leave those as a, the exception, of course. But since then, all people will die and they'll continue to die until the end of the age. But because of Jesus Christ, and this is where it all comes together, and this is what these verses emphasize, because of Jesus Christ's coming, the one uh, who died for the many, we can trade that judgment for forgiveness, We can then trade our sin for God's goodness. And Jesus offers to us the opportunity to be born again into his spiritual family. If you do nothing, we know from Romans 5.12 that you will have death through Adam. But if you come to God by faith through his son Jesus, you can have life through Christ. I want to continue reading in verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice how it keeps talking about the one, Jesus Christ, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord." Now, Paul kind of said the same thing multiple ways and in different, uh, in different wording, but he's trying to get across to us that the solution to sin was not the law. I don't know if you picked up on that there in that last verse. The solution to sin is not the law, but the solution to sin is grace. And no matter how many times you sin or how much our world is in sin, God's wonderful kindness is greater than that sin. When our awareness of our own sin increases, and by the way, that's something that is so important for each of us to understand, Uh, be aware of our own sinfulness uh, uh, before God. What we do uh, in that moment when we become aware of our sin is we need to recognize that God's grace is always greater in its capacity to forgive than it is in our capacity to sin. And that was shown to us there in Romans. And you say, well, how is that all at all possible? Well, it's possible because Jesus Christ, the one who came, is God himself. He is the creator. He is the one who created this world. He is the one who created you and me and Adam and Eve and and every person, he is the creator of this world. And, And because of his grace... When we rejected him and and mankind sinned and rebelled against God, what did he do? He recreated a way to remake and to redeem the difficulties of this fallen world for his glory and for our good through Jesus Christ. And God redeemed what was broken and he recreated and gave us a way for us to be right with God. Now that applies not only to our salvation, but it applies to our life today. See, because Jesus is the creator, what he can do, he can take those deep hurts in our lives, and He can recreate them into joy. Did you know that? God, because He is the Creator and the Redeemer, He can take our moments of suffering in this fallen world, and they can be turned into satisfaction and contentment, even in great difficulty. Because He is the the Creator, and He is the one who has redeemed us uh, for who we are, He can take our rebellion, and He can clothe us in righteousness. He can take the sin and the brokenness in our lives, and He can see and give salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, to us. See, Matthew is trying to emphasize to us that Jesus, the one who came down, he is the origin, he is the Genesis, he is the creator of all things. And we need to remember that when we think about this Christmas season and what Jesus means to us, he is the creator and he has made a way for us. Even though he created something that rebelled against him, God has redeemed it and created again a way for us to walk in fellowship and relationship with him because of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we see that good news here in this passage that through the birth of Jesus Christ, it is confirmed to us that God is the creator. But another thing I see confirmed in this passage is secondly today that God is faithful. God is faithful to us. I want to look at verse 21 again. It says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And this is in verse 22. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. See in this message from the angel speaking to Joseph, we are reminded that the birth of Christ reveals to us that God is always faithful to his word. See what had been promised to us what will be fulfilled. Now think about it. Matthew here is quoting Isaiah chapter seven and verse number 14. And then he quotes it and he says before he quotes it, he says that it might be uh, fulfilled. Did you see that? He says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Now that's an interesting phrase right there. Matthew actually used that phrase 10 other times in describing the life of Jesus Christ. And he uses it to show to us and reveal to us that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy and he fulfilled the expectations of the Messiah. And so here, what he says is that, that it might be fulfilled of the prophet. He's pointing to Christ as being the Messiah, but he's also at the same time, uh, uh, emphasizing to us that God kept his promise that he made to Isaiah. Now this is some 700 years before the birth of Christ that this was prophesied, but yet we see Matthew emphasizing, emphasizing, uh, emphasizing to us that God is faithful. Here's what Matthew wanted us to know. When God makes a promise in his word, he will fulfill it in the world. When God makes a promise in his word, he will fulfill it in the world. And God made a promise to Isaiah that was fulfilled 700 years later. And here's what I want us to get today that if God can do that, then we most certainly can live assured that God will be faithful to us as well. So when God says in Hebrews 13:5, I'll never leave thee or forsake thee, guess what? it's a guarantee to us. When it says in Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and strength, he's a very present help in trouble, guess what? We can count on it. When it says in Romans 8 that I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I read that, I can be confident in his sustaining power. When God said in Revelation 21 verse 4 that he will wipe away all tears from their eyes, there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are all passed away. When I read that, guess what? I can live my life today expecting his sure return and it's because God is faithful to his word. And if it was true when Matthew was writing under the inspiration of God, I gotta tell you, church, it is as true today when we are coming from a year of uncertainties and facing a year of unknowns, we can face it in the same way, knowing what Matthew knew, and that is so simple. God is faithful. Man, God is faithful to keep his word. If he'll do it then, he will do it today. Some of you might remember at the very beginning of the year, uh, this year that we handed out these pennants and, uh, maybe you guys remember these and, uh, man, these are awesome. I was so excited to hand these out to you as a church family. And, uh, the be- beginning of 2020, uh, we gave these out and, uh, I found it so interesting. If I remember correctly, it was just a few weeks after we gave these out. Let's say faith over fear. Just a few weeks later, we went into our first lockdown, and uh, I, I remember that so clearly. I was so excited, and man, church, this is going to be our banner this year. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna preach this. And uh, guess what? It came true, didn't it? We really needed to have faith over fear. I, I don't think I understood how important that phrase would be uh, when we got them printed and handed them out. And and of course, throughout the year, we emphasized being a people of faith. We saw that illustrated in our study of the Book of Acts, how God was so faithful to His church and to build His church. But the reason we have faith over the fear, the reason we can say that, the reason we can put this in our home, and I hope you've got them. I, we may have a few extras. If you didn't get one, make sure you get one. Uh, but if, if the reason we put these up and have them is be, not because of our own faith being so great, but because we serve a faithful God. See, our faith is connected to his faithfulness to us. And a faithful God allows us to live life by faith. And he's proven himself. And this passage here shows us and emphasizes that God is faithful. But a third aspect that is confirmed here in this passage, thirdly today, that I see is that God is with us. I don't want to miss out on this today. God is with us. Look back at verse number 23. He said, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us us. I hope that you're thankful this morning that even though God in his glory is far greater than any of us, because of his grace, he is near to us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. You know, it can really be such a powerful thing to simply reflect and consider for a moment who it is that promised to be with us. Think about it for a minute. He says, I will be with you but who's he who is it? Who is promised to be with us? I want you to think about that for a moment. You know who it was? It was the God who spoke this universe into being. It was the God who rules over every star in the sky, the God over every mountain peak and every valley. The God of every grain of sand and every uh, of the sun and the moon and the oceans and of the deserts, it's the same God to whom the angels continually worship and sing praises to, the God whose glory is beyond our imagination and completely beyond our comprehension, and that is the God who is with us, who is present with us. So many religions do not recognize Jesus for who he is. They'll they'll admit and they'll concede, yes, they think that he was a good man or some religions even believe that he was a great prophet. But the one thing that they do not believe is that he was in fact God in the flesh. And that to them, they even consider that blasphemous to even believe that. They do not understand though. And this is what is so great about being a Christian is that they do not understand the depths of love that God has for his creation. And it's revealed in his coming to this earth. You know, just 10 days ago, uh, Jeanette and I celebrated 15 years of marriage. Crazy. I can't believe it. 15 years of marriage. And, And then to add to that, just this week... Linla, our daughter, got engaged to be married. Now, some of you are doing the math, and you're like, oh, is this a child bride? No, it's not a child bride. Uh, <laughs> Linla is our adopted daughter, of course, and, uh, and many of you, of course, know that, but this week she got engaged, and we're so excited and so so thankful uh, for her fiance, Florian, who God has brought into her life, and uh, we wish we could have been there and celebrate with them. They're stuck in the U.S. Uh, finishing up their, their school, but she got engaged this week. I, to me, it's just amazing. I celebrate 15 years, and then she gets engaged, and uh, it's just unbelievable. But the reason I share that with you is not just to pat myself on the back or to be uh, to, to be proud. I am proud of it, of course. Um, but Florian, uh, when he wanted to propose, he reached out to me, and uh, of course, and, and asked for my blessing. And and we've talked a couple of times. He was supposed to propose, I think, two times before. It didn't work out, and finally it happened this week on Christmas Day. Um, but when we talked about it and he reached out to me, you know, he, he, he uh, described his love, of course, for Linla and I verified that and want to make sure uh, of that. Um, but when he began to talk about how he wanted to get engaged, he sent me pictures I got the ring and we were talking about all this. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. And he had all of these plans. But do you know what Florian did not do? He did not reach out to me and be like, hey, uh, I just want to let you know uh, that my best friend in all the world, he's going to propose to Linla for me next week. He didn't he didn't do that? Uh, he didn't tell me uh that, hey, I just want to let you know that I just put her ring in the mailbox and she'll probably receive it in a couple days by mail. And I wrote a nice note and it says, Will you marry me? No, he did not do that. <laughs> Definitely not a ring like that. You do not want to put that in the mail, right? No, what did he do? Well, He worked out a situation where he was in a different room and she was in one room and she went to go see where he went. And when she went into the room, there he was on one knee, you know, classic and the ring. And he asked her to marry him. Why did he do it that way? Why did he want to make sure that he was in the room? Why did he want to make sure that he did it personally? Well, because when it comes to matters of love, it should be in person. That's been one of the most difficult things about this year, being apart from people that we love. But when it comes to matters of love, it should be in person. And that's a picture of the incarnation, God in the flesh to mankind. See, God became flesh to show his love for us, to show his love for us. The infinitely great God who is mighty in power did not just send a messenger to tell us about his love. He came himself. And when he came is he brought the greatest news in the entirety of humanity, (laughs) He came to save the lost. Now, we know that Jesus came to do other things. Matthew, of course, tells us that he came to heal the sick and feed the hungry, and he came to bless the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted and to deliver the oppressed. But ultimately, Jesus came to rescue the lost. Verse 21 of Matthew 1 says, and she shall bring forth a son and I shall call his name Jesus. That means Jehovah is salvation. God is salvation. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. See, Jesus came to a sin stained world and a world under condemnation in order to endure the penalty of sin and stand in our place, the sinner. He came to die on the cross. He came to shed his blood so that you and I could be rescued from our sin and to be made right with God. And that is what the birth of Jesus Christ confirms to us today, those three wonderful truths that he is the creator, that he is faithful, and also that he is with us. And the reason I share that with you today is because those three things is what can give you hope for the year ahead. It is what can uh, give you uh, excitement and joy as you look to the year ahead. Because you know what? God who just walked with you through 2020 is the same God who's gonna walk with you through 2021. But we must put him first place. We must give him first place in our life. And we must willingly set aside our own fears based on his faithfulness. And set aside our own insecurities and place our life and our family and our finances and our situation and our careers in his hands. It is at that point that the year ahead, 2021, will be something to look forward to and enjoy because God is with us. So as we begin this new year together, I hope that you will look for God's presence in your life. I hope that you will be looking specifically for his control in all things. Regardless of what the year ahead has for us, you would recognize that he will be faithful and that he is with you and that he is the creator of all things. And so as we head into this year together, I want to head into this year with joy and with confidence that God is on our side. He's created us, he is faithful to us, and he is with us. He gave us his spirit. When Jesus went up to heaven, his spirit came down to us, and he is with us all of the time. And that's something that we can give God praise and glory for today. I wonder, do you need to be renewed in Jesus today? do your circumstances and what you're going through and maybe what you're facing, does it need to be looked through the lens of God's forgiveness and of God's grace? I wonder, are you trusting him for the year ahead? Are you trusting him for what is uh, what you are going through and what you're going to face? And would you rest in his faithfulness and in his presence? Let's remember what the birth of Christ confirms to us today. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.